More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly, your host, and I hope you're having a great day. Whatever you've got going on, I'm glad you've taken some time out of your day to join me for this episode of Survivor Sanctuary that I think is going to be a good episode, and I hope you'll get something out of it, and I hope you'll share it with a friend if you do. And if you want to join the conversation on the things we discuss here on Survivor Sanctuary on the podcast, you can join our Facebook group. Just search Survivor Sanctuary on Facebook and request to join. It is a private group, so you do have to send a request, but I'll get you in there as soon as I'm able, and you can be a part of the conversation there. And I'm actually excited to hear what you guys have to say about today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary, maybe some ways that you can relate or ways that you've been able to overcome. And well, if you've seen the title of today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary, you know that we are going to talk about anxiety. Now, anxiety is something that I've talked about on the podcast in several episodes because it is such a prevalent part of my life. And honestly, if I could tell you, any single thing that I would take back in my entire life. It is not the fact that I was sexually abused. It is not any of the childhood traumas that I experienced, and there were multiple ones, I assure you. It's not any of the worst things that ever happened to me. The one thing that I would change about my life if I could is anxiety. And one of the reasons it's very heavy on my brain right now, I'm just full disclosure, going to be super honest with you in this podcast. I have been struggling with anxiety this week, especially over the last couple of days. And it has basically been rearing its ugly head. Sometimes I'll go for a little while and not have a huge issue with debilitating anxiety. But the last couple of days due to different circumstances and honestly, just different chemicals in my brain, um, I've been struggling with it a little bit more. And so a couple of days ago, I was looking through some sermons for some work I do in radio and I came across a sermon on anxiety. And I always hesitate just a little bit when I see these sermons, because to be completely honest, most of them just chalk up anxiety to a simple, you don't trust God. And if you trusted God, you wouldn't suffer from anxiety. But sometimes I can't help myself and I'll click on these messages and I'll listen to them anyway. And I will tell you 99 times out of 100, it's basically the same thing. And I'm not saying that it's not good information for people who are dealing with worry over things that have happened in their lives or that may happen. They're sitting and kind of wringing their hands or how am I going to pay the rent this month? Or uh, what if my kid doesn't get into Princeton? You know, whatever it is that people worry about or the things that people have cares about. Messages like the one I came across a few days ago actually will be very helpful if your problem is worrying. When you have a clinically diagnosed problem with anxiety, these messages don't help at all. 
And I'm not going to give the name of the man who was giving this message because honestly, uh, there are so many out there and I've heard so many of them. One speaker and author who I actually respect a lot once posted something either on Facebook or Twitter saying how his grandmother had never once suffered from anxiety. Like she was this amazing woman. She raised a bunch of kids and she did all this great stuff and never once did she struggle with anxiety because she trusted God. And while it's awesome that somebody's able to trust God and not worry about anything, when you're looking from the outside in as a person who struggles with an anxiety disorder, these messages can be just like the hugest bummer, guys. Am I alone in this? I would love to hear your thoughts on it on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. If you just want to send me a message there and let me know if you feel me on this, because I know I'm not alone. I've talked to other people and... I've read a lot online, actually, with people are kind of coming out of this mentality, but I'm going to rewind things for us a little bit right now, and I'm going to go back to when I was a little kid. I grew up in a Christian family. I grew up in the church. I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all the revival nights, every time the door was open. And if I had to say growing up what my spiritual life was like, I would say that I blindly trusted God. And I don't say that in like a negative way. I just had this very childlike trust. If the Bible said it, or if I heard it at church, like I took it to heart and I believed and I knew that I could trust God. I knew that even if I couldn't trust anybody else in the whole world, that I could trust God. And I feel like I was blessed to feel that way because even after being sexually abused, I still carried around that belief in my heart for a really long time. Like God is trustworthy. I can trust him. He's never going to do anything to hurt me. He's never going to make a bad decision for my life. And I'm okay as long as I have him. So I had that very childlike trust. So fast forward to when I'm 18 years old and I had my first anxiety attack. Everything that I knew about my trust and faith in God did not match up with what my body was doing to me. And I was so confused about what was happening in my body that, in fact, I ended up thinking, maybe I have like the flu or something. Like maybe the reason I'm dry heaving in a corner in my dorm room in the middle of the night is because I actually have something physically wrong with me. And that gave me so much hope because I cannot tell you the trauma my body was going through. And I know now that my body was going through the fight or flight response. My body was in the middle of a stress response where basically my brain had decided that some horrifying thing was actually physically happening to me, except looking around, nothing was happening. You know, there were things, of course, in life that, that I could have been upset about, but nothing was physically happening to me to make my body be reacting in a way where it felt like my greatest enemy. And if I had to describe how anxiety feels to me, that's really it. I can get twinges of anxiety here and there. And when they're not terrible, I can actually kind of calm down my system reason with myself that everything's fine. And I can kind of get rid of those thoughts. Sometimes I've learned some great exercises over the years that have really, really helped me. And so I'm grateful for that. But there are times when my brain just overrides all sense of reason and logic and decides that something terrible is happening, or it's reminded of something terrible that already happened and it gets scared all over again. And these are not logical things where you can sit down and read your brain a scripture that your brain is going to respond to. 
If you're confused about which type of anxiety I'm talking about, that's the kind of anxiety that I'm talking about. The kind that there is no rhyme or reason to, unless you know how the brain works and how trauma affects the brain. I want to talk a little bit about the actual brain, because I think that when we understand the mechanics of it, it makes it a little bit easier for us to understand that anxiety is not the same thing as worry. Clinical anxiety is not the same as somebody having anxiety over, oh, I have this thing to do and I'm nervous about it. Uh, There is a difference between anxiety and worry. And when people throw scriptures around saying like, oh, well, the Bible says that be anxious for nothing. Well, you know what? There's this saying in my family, and I'm pretty sure that it originated with my Uncle Steve because he is a psychologist, and he kind of laughs about that scripture. It's, you know, the Bible says be anxious for nothing, and we're obeying scripture because we are literally anxious for nothing. Anxiety runs in my family, and a lot of people have struggled greatly with it throughout their entire lives. So I come from a long line of this anyway, and science is showing us that Anxiety is definitely something that affects genetics. Like it can actually change the genetics in your family line if somebody deals with toxic stress, aka anxiety. So sometimes when people say like, oh, you're not obeying scripture, you're not trusting God, and that's why you're suffering from anxiety, you know, sometimes I will be like, listen, I'm, I'm following scripture. It says to be anxious for nothing. I'm literally sitting here being anxious for absolutely no reason. Still struggling with it, still feel like I'm going to die or that I would rather be dead than feel what I'm feeling right now which apparently is exactly what scripture is telling us to do. Okay, I'm kidding. I don't really believe that that's what the scripture means, but I also don't believe that scripture means that if you are having clinical anxiety, your body has been affected by trauma, your brain has been affected by trauma, and you're literally going into a physiological stress response that you have no control over, that is not what God is talking about in the Bible when he says, be anxious for nothing, or when he says to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I'll get into that in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk about how the brain functions. Now, I'm not a neurologist or a neuroscientist or anybody uh, that is super smart when it comes to science. Not my thing, but I do find uh, explanations of how the brain works really, really interesting, especially when it comes to anxiety, because this has actually helped me understanding like the pathology of my anxiety to be able to calm myself a little bit, to know, hey, I don't need to freak out because this is a normal thing that happens in your brain. And do I have victory over anxiety to the point where I can get rid of it right when I need to? Absolutely not. Working on that, would love to get there at some point. But definitely understanding how the brain works has really helped me my limited understanding of the brain, I should say. I definitely don't understand it at any level other than like elementary school. And that's how I'm going to explain it to you because that's how it makes the most sense to me. So let's talk about the limbic system. The limbic system is made up of different parts of the brain, the hypothalamus, the thalamus, the amygdala, and the hippocampus. And the limbic system controls our physical and emotional responses to environmental stimuli, things that we see, and hear and and smell and, and touch anything in our environment, our physical and emotional responses to it are controlled by the limbic system. And this system will categorize experiences of emotions for us. It categorizes them either as pleasant 
or really freaking unpleasant, and it does that for us. So that's how your limbic system functions. Now, one of the parts of the limbic system that I just mentioned to you, the amygdala, plays a huge role in anxiety. And I want to tell you a little bit about the amygdala. And I have kind of a bad attitude toward my amygdala. I'm trying to work on that and I'm trying to be nicer to it, but I get really mad at it when I struggle with anxiety because I feel like my amygdala is responsible. And actually it is, it plays a big role in all forms of anxiety. Now your amygdala is not the only way that anxiety can be formed. There are actually different ways that your brain can create anxiety, but one of them has to do with the amygdala. And if you suffer from the kind of anxiety that I've been describing, this is going to be important to you. The amygdala, as I mentioned, is part of the limbic system, which helps with our emotions, our memory, and our survival reactions. Like, say one time you get attacked by a bear, and it was a terrible experience, and your limbic system will carefully classify that experience as being awful. And then if you ever see a bear, you are probably going to remember the horrifying experience of having been attacked by a bear, because thank you, limbic system. And your brain is going to send you into all kinds kinds of like stress responses to keep you from getting mauled by a bear again. It's actually something your brain does that's super important and you know, we should be thankful for because it can save you from a lot of trouble. Unfortunately, sometimes the limbic system can get a little bit screwed up, such as in childhood trauma, and it can start seeing things that aren't really there. And one of the ways that I've heard it described by a few different psychologists is, you know, if you see a snake, it's scary, but maybe you see something that your brain just thinks for a second is a snake because it's like long and skinny and curved like a snake. And, And maybe you look at it later and see, oh, it's a cord. It's not really a snake. But for that split second that your brain has identified it as a snake and identified it as a threat, your body kicks into this stress response, preparing you to run for your freaking life so you don't get eaten by a snake. Okay, snakes don't really eat people, but I guess depending on the kind of snake it is. I've seen Anaconda, and that is a terrifying movie, and also the acting is pretty terrifying as well. In any case, the limbic system, back to that, has a lot of complicated parts to it, but I'm mainly going to be talking about the amygdala and the hippocampus. The amygdala, as I mentioned, is responsible for your emotions, and the hippocampus helps with the formation of new memories and those emotions that relate to them. So we have the amygdala and the hippocampus. So the amygdala is responsible for our emotions, as I said, and the hippocampus helps with the formation of new memories and, this is important, the emotions that relate to those memories. So in talking about the limbic system and how it helps us file away those memories as being positive or negative, the hippocampus is the part of the limbic system that does that. So if you think back to my example of getting mauled by a bear, well, your amygdala can tell that there's fear and pain involved in getting mauled. Like your amygdala senses that fear, that pain, that horror and terror. And then your hippocampus sees the bear attacking you and also processes that pain and fear and makes all of that into a memory. And it's really useful, as I mentioned, because this is something that you definitely want to know that a bear attack equals very, very bad. So the next time you see a bear or something that might look like it, um, your brain is constantly like looking for threats and dangers to you. And it's definitely classified that bear as something that can hurt you. And so if you see a bear, you're probably going to get a serious response out of your brain. 
It's important to remember that all of this stuff is happening without your logic and your reason. This is a part of your brain that is just instinctual. It is the survival brain. It is the low brain. It is the part of the brain that does not think and reason. It just reacts and it reacts in the way that God created it to react. Unfortunately, what happens when you experience childhood trauma or trauma of any kind is that stress response can start to get quickly very screwed up. So for most people, if they've once been attacked by a bear, know that it's a terrible experience, they might sense anxiety if they see something out of the corner of their eye that reminds them of a bear. But the nanosecond they look over and realize, oh, it's just a really floofy dog, that's not a bear, like maybe they'll feel those heightened like fear emotions, but then all of a sudden, as your brain realizes that that's not actually a threat, usually your system will calm down and your autonomic nervous system that has been preparing you for danger will calm and your heart rate will return to normal and everything will be fine in just a few moments. Unfortunately, if you've experienced a lot of trauma in your life or you've lived through a lot of toxic stress, it actually really screws up the way that your body responds to stressors and the way that your body calms or in my case doesn't calm after my brain has perceived some sort of danger. Something that's important when you're thinking about how your brain reacts to trauma or how it reacts to fear or danger in the environment is the stronger the reaction that you have to something, like if it's a huge emotional reaction, the more likely that experience is going to be stored in your brain as something that can harm you. So I'm going to give you an example from my own life. As a child sexually abused, I had a very strong emotional reaction to being sexually abused. And that reaction lasted for the remainder of my life, essentially. And because it was such a strong emotional reaction to the thing that happened to me, it definitely got stored in my brain as something that can harm me. Unfortunately, as a little kid, I didn't even know what I was experiencing was sexual abuse. I didn't know what it meant to be molested. I didn't know that I was actually a victim of something that was pretty awful and kind of blamed myself for it. Um, So In my confusion, my brain took bits and pieces of that and decided certain things were a threat to me. And one of those things, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, and don't love talking about it, but it's just the reality, is men and relationships. So that has always been something that has induced a just an insane amount of anxiety in me, the kind where I'm going to be flat out real. I understand when I experience it, why people choose to not live anymore. And that might sound like really, really strong, but when my anxiety is at its worst and I'm struggling to calm my limbic system and to let my body know that it's not in any danger and that everything's going to be fine, when I'm struggling at my worst in those situations, it is honestly a feeling of at least death would be a sweet relief. Now, before I get messages from people asking if I have any plans to hurt myself, no, I don't. And I'm not making light of that. I'm not because it's a very real thing, but I'm being a hundred percent honest with you when I say that when I experience this level of anxiety, I know why people choose to not live anymore because it's that horrible. Like it is that much of a struggle. It feels that miserable. And at some point you just use up all your strength And there's no more fighting. And it's just like, I cannot go on. I can't deal with how this feels anymore. It's so horrible. And you just think, you know what? If I wasn't here, I wouldn't have to feel it. 
and it would be such a relief. Now, I'm a fighter and I tend to just keep fighting. And again, I'm not making light of the fact that some people don't choose to keep fighting, but I only bring that up to say in all seriousness that this is not worry. This is not what scripture is talking about when it says be anxious for nothing. It's not a sin we're committing in violation of Jesus' commandment not to fear. It is not the same thing. And our churches are doing us a disservice over and over and over again. When we stand up in front of people and we tell them that their anxiety is just a sin problem. Now, if you want to get technical about it, and we can take it back to Adam and Eve, I will say, I fully believe that anxiety is a sin problem. I believe in creation. I believe in the fall of man. Like Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world. And now we have to deal with some really crummy consequences. So if you're talking about it in that context, I can get behind that because I do believe that we live in a fallen world. The world is not perfect. There's sin, there's bad stuff that everybody has to deal with and it sucks. But that's not the kind of sin that most pastors and other Christians go around judging people with. The sin that they're referring to when they talk about anxiety is the sin of not trusting God. And that's not what it is. I think that somebody cannot trust God and have anxiety, but I don't think that anxiety equals not trusting God. Not when you're talking about the clinical physiological version of anxiety that I am referring to here. Okay, so I want to give you another example of the way that your brain can kind of work against you when it comes to anxiety. Say that you were in a particular place and it caused you this really huge emotional reaction. Maybe you saw something traumatic happen there. Uh, For me, it's a, a lot of hospitals just create that response in me. When I'm in a hospital, my brain and body immediately just go into the stress response. I don't like it. And I won't say that I have panic attacks, but I definitely have attacks of anxiety. So uh, once your brain has associated a certain place with this anxiety, it will decide that this place is dangerous for you. So maybe the next time that you just see like a hospital building or the next time that you see a hospital sign, maybe you're going to automatically experience anxiety. And the reason is because those strong emotions, the fear, the terror, all those things, not being able to breathe, your hippocampus has taken note of all of this. It remembers all this information for you. Like once you went through this, it sucked and it was terrible. It was a terrifying experience and I'm going to protect you from that happening to you again in the future. So it's sending off automatically these signals that your body should go into stress response mode, preparing you for an emergency situation, preparing you to be able to basically fight for your life. And the reason that I think it's important that we understand the automatic nature of this is that it isn't a choice. Anxiety is not a choice. We might be able to choose not to worry about a test that we take next week, um, but we're not going to be able to stop our body's stress response. There are ways to get out of it, yes. There are ways to control that worry, yes. But worrying about something that could happen is not the same as your body having a physiological response to something you're not even thinking about. 
you know, it might not even be in my conscious mind. I'm just walking along, minding my own business, and my brain recognizes something that I don't even recognize consciously. And my brain says, boom, this is an emergency. You're about to die. You need to fight for your life right now. And then you go into the stress response and you're dealing with the horrible way this makes you feel. You're dealing with, I, I can't refer to it any way else than basically abject terror because that's kind of how it feels. It's like you're in a horror movie at the very worst part with no one to save you and it's for literally no reason. Or it's for a reason that your subconscious brain has cataloged from a time that you were a little kid and you don't even understand it. And this is the problem I have with the anxiety is a failure to trust God sermons. Your amygdala doesn't know how to trust God. That's not its function. It deals in split second animal basic reactions that you really don't have control over. It's essentially instinctual. So it's not something, it's like blinking or breathing. You know, your body was made for this response. And especially if you were damaged in childhood through trauma, and I say damaged because not to say like you're damaged goods if you went through trauma as a child, but to say your brain is actually damaged. Like you can look at the MRIs and scans of a healthy, non-abused brain next to one that has suffered abuse in childhood and has gone through trauma. And the brain is different. There is actual damage done to the brain when a person goes through toxic stress as a kid. It's just a reality. And it's one of the reasons I hate sexual abuse so, so, so much, because if we could prevent that from happening in childhood, we could have so many more well-functioning adults and people who were not sick in their bodies, in their minds, in their spirits. It's one of the reasons that I just hate childhood trauma and child abuse so much because it does have the ability to affect people negatively for the remainder of their lives. There's hope. There's hope. So I want to put that in there. Uh, There are things that you can do to help with anxiety. There are ways that you can kind of trick your brain into getting out of that fight or flight response. And I've actually learned some really cool ways to do that. And it's awesome because sometimes it works and it's like, oh my goodness, I, I tricked my brain. It's not scared anymore. And it didn't have any reason to be scared in the first place, but it's not something that works every single time. And I just feel like I want to not shake these pastors, but just to say, like maybe to plead, like please stop telling people that all anxiety is a failure to trust God because that's not what it is. I want to go back to this sermon that I heard a few days ago, and I actually didn't listen to the whole thing because I'm just going to be real with you. I just, I couldn't, I could not get through it when I realized it was just another like, oh, if you have anxiety, it's because you don't trust God. But there were actual comments from Christian people on this YouTube video and people talking about, you know, their experiences with anxiety and what a great message it was. And somebody posted a comment that just, oh triggers upon triggers. And I had to respond. I don't normally respond to YouTube comments, but this one I absolutely had to because somebody went on there and said that they actually had medical anxiety and it is absolutely a sin. And this person said they went to God, they asked him for help and it's gone now. And that they had clinical depression. They would worry about everything, feel exceptionally sad and boom, that's gone too, because all they did was pray. And this person said, yes, worry is a sin, even when it's medical. But apparently the devil is making health professionals believe that anxiety and depression are actual physical problems in our brain. And this is like, I don't know, the devil just and his work. 
And this person said that the thought that medical anxiety isn't a sin is what's causing this door to open for spiritual attacks on people. And I was so upset. I know when people say things like this, it's probably best to just be like, all right, this person just doesn't understand. I'm going to move along. But I felt the need to say something because my goodness, can I just tell you, I'm going to go back to when I was a kid and this blind trust in God, everything that I read in the Bible, I was like, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to live. This is what God says. I trust him. He's got my best interests at heart. He's awesome. And you know, everything's perfect. And so when I started struggling with anxiety, when I was 18 years old, I was devastated emotionally because first of all, I didn't understand it. And it was terrifying. Like it was terrifying. I would not be able to get through um, certain days and I would just break down weeping because I was so horrified by what was happening in my body and I couldn't control it. Like abject terror. That's the only way that I know how to describe it. And I had faith. And I remember like, I I would be like, okay, I'm having anxiety and anxiety is fear and fear is sin. And that means I'm not trusting God. So I need to read these scriptures and I need to just pray, pray, pray. And I would like literally walk around. I'd be like the faith healer, just like walking around binding the enemy. And if you've gone to church at all in your life, maybe you understand the whole binding of the enemy. It's a little more prevalent in like Pentecostal and charismatic churches, but I would literally walk around like I bind you Satan in the name of the Lord, but it would get so bad that I didn't know what else to do. And I was teetering on the edge of insanity and I just needed relief. And I thought, okay, if it's a lack of faith, then I'm going to have more faith. And and if it's a lack of trust in God, then I'm going to trust God more. And I'm telling you right now, nothing ever worked. And I would fight and I would fight and I would fight and the terror would get worse and worse and worse. And I realized later because it was explained to me by a uh, psychiatrist and they were telling me how the brain works and that when you get into that state where you're in that fight or flight response, your body gets into the state of hyper arousal where every single thing is going to trigger you and set you off. So I was already in this super triggered state and then I was trying to reason with myself. Well, unfortunately, when the part of your brain that alerts you to trouble and alert you to danger takes over, your reasonable brain just goes offline. It stops working because that's not the part of your brain that's necessary. Like we don't need reason. We need to prepare to run or fight for our lives because we're about to die. So when that part of your brain takes over, your reason and logic go offline. And so when you're trying to quote scriptures to your traumatized brain that's trying to save your life, it doesn't help. And in fact, I did that so much to the point where now if I read certain scriptures, I've conditioned my brain to be reminded, like not consciously, but subconsciously my brain knows that every time I read those scriptures out loud, it was when I was smack dab in the middle of an anxiety attack. And so my brain thinks, oh, we're panicking about something. It's time to have horrible anxiety. And it's awful to feel that way about scripture, you know, scripture that should be a comfort to me and that I should be able to go to, to say, Hey, everything's fine. Like those scriptures actually trigger really bad anxiety and panic in me because I tried to use those scriptures to reason with a part of my brain that does not reason, a part of my brain that does not understand God's in control and nothing bad can happen to you because this part of your brain is instinctual. It just operates on instinct. Do I believe God has power over that portion of the brain? Yes, but the way that it was created is the way that it operates. And unfortunately, because we don't live in a perfect world, It can malfunction and it can alert you to danger that's not there. And you can be stuck in this cycle of anxiety. And it's an anxiety that you cannot reason or quote scripture or pray your way out of. I would feel so defeated, guys. Like, 
And reading these comments on this YouTube video of the message that I'm talking about, like, it just made me feel so defeated. It brought back all those feelings of like, you're not good enough. Like if you were spiritual enough, you wouldn't be suffering from anxiety. If you trusted God enough, if you were a good enough Christian, if you, you know, thought better thoughts, if you went to church more, if you read the Bible more, if you prayed more, if you did all these things more, just if you did more, 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 you wouldn't be suffering like this. If you were a better person, you wouldn't experience anxiety. And the point of this entire podcast is to tell you that if that's something that you have believed, it's a lie from the pit of hell. And it's a lie that we've got to stop perpetuating. And the church has a long way to go with stopping because that's not what I see happening right now. I see a lot of people who look at the amount of anxiety and depression in the world and they immediately assign it a spiritual significance. So hear me. I'm not saying that anxiety or depression or feelings of sadness or worry or those things can never have a spiritual element to them. I'm not here to tell you that. I'm just here to say that the way your brain was created, it has been studied and there is scientific evidence to back up the fact that your anxiety, when it goes beyond worrying about the future and becomes something more clinical, is not a spiritual problem. And I remember something that I would always think about, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I would always sit and think like every time I experienced that anxiety, I felt like I was supposed to do something like my anxiety would always prompt me to do some big thing. Like if I was dating a guy and I had horrible anxiety, like, you know, instead of reasoning like, okay, my brain is terrified of this relationship because I've been hurt in a relationship before and I've been hurt very badly. And it's something that my brain remembers and holds onto. But instead of that line of thinking, I would think I have horrible anxiety. This person must be wrong for me and I need to get away as fast as I can and break up with them. And then I would have anxiety over the fact that I didn't want to break up with them. So now I'm having anxiety that I think is about this guy. And it's about the fact that I think I need to break up. It's just like this cycle of endless anxiety. But whenever I would get to that like abject terror version of anxiety, I would think it was God. Like God wants me to do something. And so he's causing me to feel this awful anxiety to get me to make a different decision than the one I'm making right now. Now, I do think that sometimes a form of anxiety can be helpful when you're trying to make decisions about the future. But when you feel it for no apparent reason, like I remember one time just standing at a concert, I had been so excited about this concert. I think that it was just like something I'd been looking forward to. Maybe I got a little overexcited about it. I don't know, lack of sleep and probably some hormonal stuff as well. I just remember I had been so excited. I was having a great weekend and I'm standing and watching this band and I started having an anxiety attack. And I'm just watching this, this band that it's like a Christian band and they're just playing a fun song and it's no big deal. I'm having a great time and suddenly I'm having anxiety attack. So that anxiety lasted for weeks and weeks and weeks and, you know, at different levels at different times of the day. But like, all I could think was, okay, I was watching this band and I started having horrible anxiety. So that must mean that this band is evil. Like there's something wrong and God's trying to tell, it's like your brain just 
goes to some really dark places because it doesn't know what else to do. But I always assigned this spiritual meaning to, to anxiety. When it got really, really horrible, I would just be like, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I would be on my knees. And I'm talking like, I just want you to know how serious it was because it's not like this pretty little, oh, I'm worried, Jesus. I'm just worried right now. I have so many worries. Worried about a test I have tomorrow. I'm worried about not being able to pay the rent. I'm worried, and not to belittle problems because problems are very real. But like, they weren't worries like that. It was like this abject terror taking over my body and my brain and making me think that some horrible thing was literally happening to me and that God needed me to do something, but I never had any freaking idea what it was. So then I would just start grasping at straws. Am I supposed to quit my job? Am I supposed to move somewhere? Am I like, just like craziness? And then those thoughts, because I didn't want to do any of those things or didn't understand why I would need to, would make me feel even worse. So it was just, oh my gosh, like I still struggle from pretty bad anxiety, but the one thing I think that is a little bit easier is even when my brain tries to tell me those ridiculous things now, I'm usually able to get to a point where I can be like, okay, brain, you're wrong. And this is just a reaction that I am have become conditioned to have. And these memories have been screwed up in my brain. And, and this is a response my brain is having that is not an indicator of actual reality. So I have come a long way, but I, I will say that I still really struggle with this. And this past week, oh my goodness, I've had some some issues, like just with really, really terrible anxiety and just feeling like that that terror and you know for no good reason or for reasons that you know if you're thinking rationally you could just explain away or be like you know what you can trust God with this it's not a big deal but in the past and beginning when I was about 18 years old it would be so bad that I would just be like shaking uncontrollably teeth chattering you know tears just flowing and my face swollen from crying and crying and just begging and pleading with God to make it stop and make it go away. And that's why it is so offensive to me when people look at you and you say you're struggling with anxiety and they tell you that you lack faith. Because I used to try to reason with God. I would be like, I trust you. This is so ridiculous. I trust you. I know you have good plans for me. I know you're in control. I know you're sovereign. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Why do I feel like I'm going to die? Why do I feel like something horrible is happening to me? I'm so scared and there's literally no reason. And I would beg God to take it away. I would just beg. And I think that's the reason that it's so difficult for me when people start to talk about how like anxiety is a choice. You choose whether or not to have anxiety about something and you choose this and you choose that and we can't help what happens to us, but we can help how we respond to it. It's like, no, we can't always help how we respond to it because sometimes our stupid, malfunctioning, traumatized amygdala decides for us how we're going to respond to it and we feel like an alien has taken over our body and we don't have any control. Maybe you can relate to me when I say that it would be so much easier if anxiety were a choice. It would be so much easier if anxiety were just the choice to not trust God. It would be easier because the answer would be so clear. All right, all I have to do is trust God and then I don't have anxiety anymore. But in my life and in the lives of countless other people, it does not work because your amygdala, your hippocampus, your limbic system doesn't give a crap who you have faith in. 
it functions the way that it functions based on your past trauma, based on what you've gone through as a child, based on the toxic stress you experienced or didn't experience. It is an automatic response for so many people. And yes, there are some really good therapies. There are really some good exercises out there that can help with it. But your level of faith does not mean that you are not going to struggle with anxiety. It just doesn't mean that. Why are we telling people who are tormented already? Why are we telling people who are struggling in this horrible, horrible way that they're doing it to themselves because they don't trust God? Like, would you ever talk to somebody who had like diabetes and be like, you know, you wouldn't have diabetes and your pituitary gland wouldn't be messing up if you just trusted God. Like you'd never look at somebody that had cancer and be like, you know, you wouldn't need chemo if you would just trust God. I mean, okay, there are some crazy people out there that definitely say stuff like that. But for the most part, I feel like this judgment is reserved for people who have anxiety. We reserve that judgment for disorders of the brain. Oh, you suffer from clinical depression? Well, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your trust in God. And they're telling somebody with a clinical, actual brain problem that their problem is that they don't trust God. They're telling a person with anxiety whose limbic system is all messed up from the things they went through in their childhood that they don't trust God. It is doing a disservice to people. And we've got to stop. When I commented on this video and response to the person who basically said like, even clinical anxiety is a sin. And to think otherwise just means that you're a tool of the devil. Like, I don't know, in responding to this person, I was just like, you know, how are people ever going to want to come to know this Jesus that you're saying we all need to trust in? Because that was something this comment said, that said that basically, you know, people try everything that you can't find peace apart from Christ. So if you have anxiety, it means you don't have Christ. And I was like, I've been saved since I was four years old. I trusted God at a very early age and I did it with a pure heart, a hundred thousand percent believing that I was putting my life in his hands forever and trusting him with the results of that. And I still suffer from anxiety. It's not a crutch that I want to lean on. It's not something that I want to use as an excuse in my life. If I could get rid of anything, that's what it would be. If somebody said, I'll give you $10 million or I'll take away your anxiety disorder, I would definitely choose take away my freaking anxiety disorder. I'd probably sit and think about it for a few minutes, but this is the thing that I would give up if I could give anything up. It's the thing that I would eradicate from my life if I could eradicate anything. So please don't tell me that I'm choosing anxiety as a rebellious act against God. If I'm choosing to worry about something that's actually a physical thing that I know about and that I'm just choosing to worry about and like, you know, I'm just going to worry about where my next meal is coming from because I don't trust in God. Not the same as a debilitating anxiety disorder that you don't have any control over. We decided somewhere along the lines in Christianity that any disease that's related to the brain is somehow a sin. Uh, Because we can't separate like our spirituality, our intellect from our brain matter. The same way the heart functions and is intricately designed, your brain functions and is intricately designed. It is an organ like all the other organs in your body. And sometimes physically it gets messed up and it causes problems. The difference is when your endocrine system gets messed up, uh, maybe you'll get diabetes. When your limbic system messes up, you might get an anxiety disorder. 
I think it's easy for us to chalk things like anxiety and depression up to sin because that's really the easy part. If we tell somebody that they have anxiety and depression because they're not trusting God, then it kind of removes all of our need to help that person. It kind of removes the necessity of us to just walk with somebody through their trouble and through their heartache and through their misery. You know, if we say, well, this is just a sin problem. If you would just stop having this lack of faith, you'd be fine. We wash our hands of these people. We don't have to do anything to help them. We don't have to empathize with them. We don't have to really think hard about how unfair it is that some people are just affected by awful things that have happened. I chalk it up to the easy way out. Equating anxiety with sin is the easy way out. Equating mental illness with sin is the easy way out because it removes the need for you to be kind and empathetic to people who are suffering from something over which they have no control. I would love to hear a sermon where a pastor just like gets up and is like, we're going to talk about anxiety and worry today. We're going to talk about the difference in what it is. And we're going to talk about the difference between worrying about something that you have no control over and having debilitating clinical anxiety. Like, let's discuss the differences here. Maybe even get to the point where he shares like ways to help your limbic system calm down so that you can once again get to that reasoning portion of your brain and kind of come out of that anxiety and that awful attack of all the stress hormones and the fight or flight response. Like it would be so cool if somebody actually went into that. But it's not gonna sell tickets because it's not like this motivational like mind over matter. If you just have faith, then you're not gonna have anxiety anymore. If you just trust God, you won't suffer from depression. It's just not true. It's not true. And in those darkest moments of my life where I've been begging God for help and begging him to take away this anxiety that I have dealt with since I was 18 years old, like it has been decades of some really, really rough stuff. I'm not feeling sorry for myself, not asking you to feel sorry for me. I know there are people who've dealt with much worse, but this is a thing that has literally clouded my entire adult life. And in the darkest moments when I've begged and I've yelled and I've pleaded with God, like, take this away, take this away. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to be affected by this. I just want to trust you and be happy and be at peace. I just want to be at peace. And I feel like in those moments, God has reminded me and take note, God has not said, well, there's that faith I was looking for. You're healed of your anxiety. Instead, he's reminded me that his grace is sufficient I'll be honest and say that sometimes it doesn't feel sufficient. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like I need a little bit more than what I'm getting. But in scripture, when Paul asked over and over and over again for God to remove the thorn in his flesh and God's reminder to him, it was not to say, oh, you want this taken care of? Well, hey, you know, I'm God and you have faith. So here you go. Going to pop that thorn right out. Instead, God reminded Paul that his grace is sufficient and that his power is made perfect in our weakness. And I don't know where you are on the church attendance spectrum. Is there a spectrum of church attendance or a spectrum of Christianity? I don't know. I don't know where you're at with that. But in my own life and having grown up in church and and having faith in Christ, that reminder to me seems to be the opposite of what so many people are saying. Like you're not going to watch some charismatic preacher get up and be like, you know what? It sucks that you struggle with anxiety, but God has promised that his grace is sufficient and maybe you'll never stop struggling with it. And maybe you'll go to your grave with this debilitating thing that you hate. And maybe you'll have to live through it and struggle through it. And it's not fair, 
but my grace is sufficient for you. It's enough. Even if you struggle, even if you have to go through this pain, I'll be your strength and I'll carry you in those times. And that's usually not what we're hearing. Motivational speeches about having giant faith and trusting God in all things, like they can really like pump people up and they can even help take away your anxiety momentarily for maybe an hour or a week. Like in the moment, they feel awesome. You're like, yeah, faith. I have faith. No anxiety is going to get to me. But when your limbic system decides to take over and your rational brain and your logical brain is not in control anymore and you just go back into that same cycle, like you're just going to feel defeated again if you don't come to recognize that some of the things that you are struggling with are not things that you can trust your way out of. God has not promised that he is going to deliver us from every single hardship. Guys, I'm the first person who would be in line to believe that if I could, if there was any hope that it was true. And I'm not saying this to be a downer or to make you feel like there's no hope or you just have to accept that you have this awful anxiety and it's never going to get better. That's, That's not what I mean. There are ways to help heal anxiety. There are ways that we can heal the brain. There are exercises you can do to help get your body out of that fight or flight response. There are ways that we can fight and there are ways that we can have victory. And I do think that our faith can be a huge part of that. Like I think that, that my faith in God does help in a lot of ways, but Jesus never, ever promised that we were not going to struggle. He never promised that if something sucked real bad, He would make it stop if we just had enough faith. It's not there. And it sells books and it puts butts in the seats in certain megachurches. And it makes people who don't have a problem with anxiety feel really self-important. But it's not from Jesus. If you read the story in John chapter 9 and verses 1 through 3 where uh, Jesus was about to heal the blind man, his disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And that seems to be the question that we continue to grapple with whenever mental health issues are the topic of conversation among Christians. Well, who sinned? Like, what have you done to deserve this horrible anxiety disorder? What have you done to deserve this clinical depression? What have you done to be in the mental state that you're in right now? You must have done something. You sinned, your parents, somebody sinned to make this happen. And Jesus' answer was, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And Jesus healed him. He was one of the lucky ones. I welcome Jesus to do that with my brain anytime. Like, go ahead, spit in some dirt, rub it into my amygdala and make it all better. And I'm not saying that. I mean, I'm saying it jokingly, but not really, because I would totally welcome that. Like, that would be great. Anytime he would choose to do that, it would be awesome. He hasn't chosen to, and I don't know why, but I do know this. It's not because I don't have enough faith, and it's not because I've sinned in some way that makes me unworthy of being healed. It is a consequence of the trauma that I was put through as a child. It is a consequence of a fallen world. It's a consequence of somebody deciding that their sexual desires and depravity was the most important thing in the world. And that it needed to be satisfied at all costs, including the cost of my peace. I don't have like a pretty bow to wrap this all up in, (laughs) except to say that by God's grace, I'm surviving and by God's grace, I'm healing. And even though I struggle with anxiety, 
and it's hard and there are dark days. I know that it's not because I'm being punished for not having enough faith or I'm being punished for ticking off the God of the universe. He's with me and he has grace for me as I struggle and we need to have grace for each other. At the root of the declaration that anxiety is a lack of faith in God is pride. Pride from a person who doesn't struggle with an anxiety disorder and believes that it's somehow because of something they did right that other people are doing wrong. And I'm super grateful that God doesn't deal with us the way that we deal with each other a lot of the time. So the next time you hear somebody say like all anxiety is a sin and all anxiety is a decision to not trust God, well, maybe you could forward them an article or two about how the limbic system works and what happens when a child experiences anxiety, trauma, and toxic stress for years and years and years, the way that it ends up affecting their bodies and their brains, their development, and their ability to handle things like anxiety and depression. I I think that a lot of eyes would be opened if people would just be willing to look. God created the brain just like he created every other organ. It is an insanely awesome organ of the body. It it is amazing. I understand about one one zillionth of what the brain does. Not a scientist, but even I can see that it is incredible. And there are ways that it can malfunction. There are ways that it can work against us. And one of those ways is through abuse. Your anxiety disorder is not a lack of faith. That's it. That's what I wanted to tell you today. <laughs> that's that's what's been on my heart this week. So I am going to bring the podcast to a close with a reminder that you can join us on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page. You have to ask to join the group because it is private. So just send a request. It's Survivor Sanctuary on Facebook and I will add you. And I'd love to hear how you have been affected by these beliefs in so many circles that if someone is suffering from anxiety, it's because of something they've done wrong or it's a lack of faith. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and maybe some ways that you deal with anxiety and ways that you've been able to help retrain your brain. There's a lot of info here and I'd love to hear from you so you can join us on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page. And in the meantime, don't forget that you can support the Survivor Sanctuary podcast. Just go to anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary and click on support and you can become a monthly supporter of the podcast and help keep the content coming to you each and every week. Well, I will catch you next time on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.